the United States of America is called a Christian nation. Christian nation. Christian nation. It's time for a moment of clarity with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Let us pray that this nation does come to a moment of clarity. Faith, faith, faith politics, politics, history, history, and current events. Current events. now, your host, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but in the meantime, I'm Derek Stone with a moment on sports, part one. The Detroit Pistons defeated the defending National Basketball Association champion Golden State Warriors 128-114 to this past Sunday. Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, Cade Cunningham, and Bohan Bogdanovic each scored at least 21 points. Bay accumulated 28 points and nailed 9 field goals. Stewart tallied 24 points, drained 10 free throws, and snagged 13 rebounds. Cunningham amassed 23 points, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists. And Bogdanovic recorded 21 points and buried all 8 of his free throw attempts. This quartet of Pistons players received a helping hand from Jaden Ivey, who registered 15 points on five successful shots. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. Yes, I am back. You know, I made this great discovery that if you try to move your upper part of your body faster than the lower part of your body, you fall down. <laughs> and uh, I have to I have to thank Ed and Phil for covering for me last week because I did have a little fall and uh, I'm almost totally recovered from that. But I do thank you for the prayers. I thank each and every one of you and uh, they have not gone unnoticed or unanswered. So thank you for that. And we got a lot to talk about. We got an election coming up Tuesday. Unless you're a Democrat, the Democrat election is on the is on the fifteenth. So just so you know that, if you're if you vote conservative and Republican, it's the eighth. If you vote Democrat or liberal lining, those ballots will be out on the fifteenth. Just so. I like it. I like that when they change that. That was a smart idea. That it was, that it was brilliant. It was Whitmer absolutely came brilliant. up with that. Whitmer came up with that. That's good. It, yeah, you know, that's one good thing she came up with. So, yeah. So, yes, yeah, so if you're a Democrat, remember, October 15th, 2023 will be your next chance to vote. So, <laughs> <laughs> so no. uh, man, there's a lot on the ballot. You know, there's some something that's really bothered me. And we're going to be talking about a lot of things. But I, I don't hear any of the conservative radio stations talking about this here in Michigan. I don't hear anyone else speaking of this, but it's something that bothers me. They attacked uh, uh, Christina uh, Caromo. Caromo for for uh, saying she, she, they found a clip of her talking about the world is in a spiritual warfare, in fact. And this made her extreme. This made her uh, an extremist a radical. And I, I had, a, I thought about this every single Christian denomination teaches that this world is in a spiritual warfare. So what the left is saying to you Christians out there, if you are a Christian, or actually if you're a Christian or a Muslim or most of the Jewish uh, uh, 
I'll say denominations, sects, all believe that this world is in a spiritual warfare. So if you are a person of faith at all, you are an extremist and you are a radical and you are to be silenced. That is the message that the Democrats have for you. And uh, this bothers me because, and this is going to go right into the fact that this is how they're dealing with uh, our our politicians. Well, they're people of faith. They're extreme. They're radical. But that's also speaking to you on how you should vote on things like Proposal 3. If you are against Proposal 3, you're an extremist. You're a radical. You, you're out of touch. It doesn't speak to the fact that it takes away parental rights. It doesn't speak to the fact that, hey, now that they've made it so legal, if I don't get a job, I can just go and open up the garage door, put it, hang a shingle on there, abortions here, and make a living. Because I don't need to be a doctor to do it. So come to my garage and let me murder your child. There is no control or health care. And, and if a woman is hurt or injured during an abortion because of neglect, there is no repercussion. With all that said, it's still killing a child. It's still killing a baby. And this is why I've said from for a long time, the best way if we want to get rid of this is get a Supreme Court in there that won't say it's states' rights or anything else. It's not a case about fighting personhood. It's about fighting for humanhood, human rights for the child. The child has got to be protected constitutionally in our federal constitution as a person in this country, as deserving of all the same rights. But the biggest problem I'm finding is the, some of the polls, and this is some of the stuff I'm finding extremely disturbing. The polls are saying that Christian women are voting in favor of Proposal 3. That their main excuse is, well, we believe it's wrong, but we don't want to hoist our, our opinions on someone else. We don't want to force our opinions on someone else. Folks, that is the most illogical argument. And if you hold that view, please call in. Now that you know that I think it's totally illogical and everything else, I'm going to give you a chance to defend yourself. If you believe that abortion is wrong, but you don't want to push your opinions on someone else, give us a call, 734-822-1600. Now, I know we're going to have a lot of our regular callers wanting to call in on this subject. I'm going to ask you to hold off on this Give someone a chance to call in that believes that abortion is wrong, but they do not want to push their opinions on someone else. I want to talk to you, and I will be as polite as I possibly can, and I can be pretty darn polite, darn it. Um, and I'll be interested in your view, but I'm going to have questions for you. I'm going to ask you to uphold your view, be able to make an argument for it be interested to see if anyone calls in, if anyone is actually willing to state in public that they hold that view. They say that in surveys all the time, and yet trying to find someone to come out and speak to that and to stand for that is, is really hard to do. Have you noticed that, Ed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. People don't want to, uh, well, people just don't want to embarrass themselves there. They they hold something inside and they don't want to stand up to ridicule. And I, I think they might be hesitant to call in here because they'd, they'd be opposed by your viewpoint. And they, I'm going to ask people questions. Just, That's all I'm I have, I understand that. But I want to say this, that so many people have told me, I can't argue for abortion. I just feel it's right in my heart. I've, I've run into that argument so many times. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, it's, it's how do you do that? That's illogical. 
You know, that, it, it, I got to say this. Um, I, I teach at uh, a new Bible college here in Michigan, Anchor Bible College, and I am teaching um, Bible interpretation. And I had a chance to get into a very short discussion of what rhetoric is. And I'm telling you, most people have no clue what rhetoric is. They just hear it and say, that's something politicians use. That's something we all use. We just don't know how to form our rhetoric in a way that can convince people, which is why I think it should be taught in every school. So people can see when they're being played by the politicians, if nothing else. Um, but uh, we went over different styles of rhetoric of different of the prophets in the Bible. And I gave them some very difficult passages to, to decipher rhetoric in. And I'll tell you, the students at Anchor Bible are extraordinary and outstanding. I, I just, the, I had them do a short in 250 words or less. Uh, comment on Ezekiel 5 on breaking down the rhetoric in Ezekiel 5, one of the most difficult passages because he doesn't speak at all <laughs> in that passage. He doesn't speak at all, but it's full of rhetoric. Um, they did brilliant on it. They were able to logic it out and see it, something that is missed today. And uh, no callers on that. Darn it. What? Do I have any callers there calling in saying that they, they're against abortion, but they just don't want to force other people to have an opinion? Do I have even one caller out there, uh, Derek? They might be Maybe out. Kirk. Yeah, Maybe yeah, Kirk well, was I'm wrong. Getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So the poll, the poll was done on women, of Christian women, who say they personally oppose abortion, but they don't want to force their views on someone else. Let's discuss why this is illogical, first of all. Uh, it's illogical because if you're against it, the question would be, why are you against it? The answer is inevitably, well, I personally believe it's murder. But I don't want to force that on someone else. My, my logical statement would follow with this. Well, do you think personally it's murder if someone walked into a party store, took out a gun, and shot the storekeeper and walked out? Would you think that's murder? Yes. Do you think it's okay to uh, to to push or push that view on to other people in the community or saying, well, in my opinion, it's murder, but uh, yeah, the guy who pulled the trigger, he might not have thought it as murder, so he should let be let go. Yeah, say, of course not. He should go to jail. Murder is not a case of, of opinion. It's either murder or it's not. Yeah, Ed. It's not well, what I, I wanted to say. Before you say it, I, murder is not subjective. It's objective. <laughs> All right? It's not, it's not based on what you view it as. Okay, now go ahead, Ed. Well, I used to have conversations with a guy who leaned towards the left, center left. And we used to talk at work. And, we, you know, we were friendly. We were, he was a bright guy. I really enjoyed his conversation. And there was one day that uh, I noticed he was dodging me and I'd walk into the shop and he'd walk out the other way. I go in the locker room, he's walking out the other way. And finally I got him and I cornered him. I says, are, are you avoiding me? And what did I say, you know, wrong? And he said, well, we were talking about abortion and you asked me to, to define how I felt about it. And he, he said exactly this. He says, I believe abortion is wrong but I do not believe I should be able to force my opinion on somebody else. 
And when we talk about it, I can't make that work. So it makes my head hurt when I talk to you about it because I can't reconcile the two. So I'd just rather avoid it. Yeah, that was and that was a guy. Well, yeah, and uh, this the poll I'm talking about uh, was all women, all, all women who claim to be Christian. Majority of their answers that are going to vote for Proposal 3 is because they don't want to force their opinions on someone else. And their their argument is basically based all on emotions. That the, the statement that I noticed in some of the comments and polls and stuff is, I feel, I feel, I feel. This is all emotional. And I'm, I'm taking this from a logical point of view. And, and as I read this, and I'm going to offend so many people out there because I got a soundbite I found. As I looked at this poll, I'm saying, boy, these women are extremely emotional. There's not a logical one amongst the ones in this overwhelming thing. And I couldn't figure out why. And then I turned to the wisdom of Captain James T. Kirk talking to Spock. Uh, listen, he, he, he hits it very well. Mr. Spock, the women on your planet are logical. That's the only planet in this galaxy that can make that claim. Amen. <laughs> After reading that poll, I think he's right. I think he's got. I think he's got a point. I I would like to be proven wrong, but I do find that women are much more emotional most of the time. And they, a lot of women say this this is a good thing. This makes them good leaders because they rule by emotion. I don't want to be ruled by emotion because every twenty eight days there's going to be a bomb dropping somewhere. Joe, I'll let you on. Because I do want to talk about something else now. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I, I don't. <laughs> okay. Wow, That's a switch. something new. Uh, if you know, I'm personally against murder, but you know, if Nicole, who lives to the left of me, wants to murder Debbie, who lives to the right of me, you know, eh, whatever, so be it. Right? I mean, there's zero difference there zero an innocent human life is being taken and now yeah we're you know self-defense is biblical if you kill in the name of defending person family property defense of nation in war those are biblical and also the death penalty is very biblical. Genesis 9-6, Numbers 35-30, Leviticus 24-17. Who shall sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. And you don't have to be Christian to be moral. Pen of Penn and Teller, famous atheist, understands morals and right and wrong. You don't have to be religious to understand this. And this notion of separation in church and state, you've done it many times on the show. It's a load of crap. Church is meant to be involved in government, not the other way around. Yeah, I don't know if I told you this. Uh, have I ever told you, uh, Joe, I, I'm, I'm acquaintances with uh, Pendulette. And uh, the man, oh, the man is an honorable man, even though he's not a believer. I try to give him the gospel. He actually thanked me for it. Um, but uh, he understands basic morals, and I and I think that's installed in all of us. I actually think the people that uh, the people that feel that abortion is wrong, but they don't 
if everyone that says, I think abortion is wrong, but I don't want to force my opinions on it, you would find that 99% of this country is against the murdering of children. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, like with the pen example, there are a lot of atheists. You you could remove religion from it. I'm tired of the, you know, we don't need the religious arguments. You don't need to be religious to understand, to want to be treated as uh, you, you treat others as you want to be treated. I, as you know, Joe, on my show, uh, more than once, as a matter of fact, on quite a few different times, I've allowed callers to call in and discuss abortion, and I've always taken the moral and ethical view with the standpoint that I will not bring my religious view into it. Um, because if, if the only thing I have to stand on is my religious view, uh, then, then they may have an argument that I'm trying to bring in church versus state. There's a strong moral and ethical argument to all mankind that can be out against abortion about murdering children. And uh, I will tell you, those that are pro-choice, their views are arbitrary in every way, shape, and form. They don't yep, have a lot of stand it has to do with Margaret Sanger and racism and black baby genocide. You know, I'm sorry. The left always constantly screams racism. It's all projection. They were the party of the KKK. They are still the party of Democrat plantations, and they want to control population. It is pathetic. And I like the story, perhaps you could tell it again, of the woman that you ran into at a gas station one time, too. She recognized you, and you had a discussion. I think it was on this subject. Actually, it was it was uh, more about uh, she. Well, it kind of was on that subject. She she thought that uh, well, it was on homosexuality. Actually, she thought I hated her because she she was a lesbian. And of course, I don't hate her because she's she's a lesbian. I hate her because she bought the last Snickers bar and I wanted it. So <laughs> exactly, I don't and I've written a piece on that um, too in my book. And, and we, we are coming we soon are to accused. City New York. There's a chapter called Love Versus Fake Hate, and it is about that. Who are the people stoning gays to death? It isn't Christians in today's world. We do not hate you. We just have a difference of opinion on the issue of traditional marriage and those things. We love you. We pray for your soul. Love versus actual hate. All right, and with that, I'll, I'll, I'll dug out. All right, thank you. Love you, brothers. Take care. God bless. All right. Yeah, we, we were able to go from lesbian to capital punishment to, well, we did speak a little bit to the subject. <laughs> but uh, it's always fun getting a call from Joe. I got another. Hey, I'm another sorry. Color. Yeah. I'm sorry. A call from Joe is like a box of chocolates. You never, you never know, know what you're, you're going to get. <laughs> a little bit of sweet, a whole lot of nuts. Who knows? <laughs> I love Joe. Um, only because I was told I can't hate him. <laughs> no. Uh, hey, Phil, do we have our guest going to be calling in or at the bottom yeah, of the hour? I, I, I wanted, because uh, I had a, a question that okay. I would like to put to the audience. I, I just would like to know if 
there are some things that give explain how many violations of the Constitution can a, a law make or a projected law make before it rules unconstitutional. You got uh, that amount, at least, you got at least three or four reasons that abortion is against the Constitution on the fact that it, it's, uh, doesn't meet the equal treat, uh, treatment under the law. It mean it takes uh, people's life without a uh, hearing, and in a couple of more that I don't know exactly why. That's yeah. why I wanted an yeah. expert to come in and give his idea that he has in his book, and that's Bruce Fleury. All right, and now, and I hope he does call in. And we'll take it if he does call in. Hopefully, at the bottom of the hour, so we can give him some more time. Here's here, here's the thing I have to say to to answer you is first of all, what proposal three is? People, you have to understand is this is an amendment to our state constitution, and right now because it's not defined, it is not defined in the federal constitution. Then it falls to the 10th Amendment, and the 10th Amendment says it's up to the state. And if they put it in our Constitution, and when we find out that it is as radical and as crazy as we've been saying it is, there is no turning that clock back without a, a, a vote of the people again. We, we are stuck with it. And we live in a world of crazy where, where evil outweighs good. And so evil is going to continue to do what evil does. This is a change in our Constitution. What we need to have happen, and I've said this from day one, what we need to have happen is to have a Supreme Court or uh, strong enough or a legislation strong enough to pass a constitutional amendment that recognizes the humanity of the child. Because right now, we're saying equal protection under the law. Well, you're, you're basing it on the view that the child in the womb is a person, and it should be. But it's not. And it needs to be. So we need to get legislation that will say, hey, that is a living being. It is a child. Everything is there for that child in the womb to be a 90-year-old man or woman. But here's or, the question. Here's the question into that. You got them on the on the left side of the aisle saying that a person should be able to have uh whatever type of operation it needs to switch his, his gender, which we know is not possible. Yet still, that's in that bill. It's going to go in there. Yeah. And it's going to be law, and it'll be constitutional. All right, first thing I have to ask, Joe, are you channeling into Phil right now? <laughs> Is that what's happening here? Joe's channeling into Phil? Uh, yeah, there's a lot in that bill that it's absolutely crazy. It allows, and by the way, imagine your confused um, child who's just starting to go into puberty, hates his or her body, doesn't know who they are, they're conflicted, they don't know what things like sex is all about, they don't understand the feelings they're going through, and we have things like Tinder and everything else confusing the heck out of, our, out of our children. They don't know what side's up. They can now go in at the passing of this law without your parents' permission to go in there and just say, hey, let's start hormone treatment. 
And meanwhile, your kid starts acting crazy, starts acting sick, starts showing signs of everything, ends up with cancer and everything else. You don't know why you're trying to figure it out. It's because they've been being treated without your knowledge and doing it legally. This is what you're voting for on Proposal 3. Get it? It's crazy. So how do you, uh, again, same thing Joe said, uh, the, the, the Jim Crow law that Joe Biden loves to talk about so much was, was taken out of the law because of its unconstitutionality. Yep. So... So hold that thought there, Phil. Hold that thought, because that's the music. We'll be back after these messages. And now, more with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering, on WAM. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but in the meantime, I'm Derek Stone with another moment on sports. The Detroit Red Wings defeated the Washington Capitals 3-1 this past Thursday. Lucas Raymond tallied a power play goal after 14 minutes and 58 seconds had elapsed in the second period. Andrew Kopp lit the lamp with 3 minutes and 50 seconds remaining in regulation, and Dylan Larkin shot the puck into the empty net 3 minutes and 22 seconds later to round out the Detroit scoring. Kopp, Larkin, Michael Rasmussen, David Perron, Adam Ernie, and Dominique Kubalik each registered an assist, Ali Mata and Philip Ronick recorded a plus-two plus-minus rating, and Ville Husso stopped 33 shots between the pipes as the Red Wings earned their fifth win of the season. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. That's right, that's right, I'm sad and blue, because I can't do the boogaloo. I'm lost, I'm lost, can't do my thing, and that's why I sing. Give me, give me that ding. Silent Green is people! We've got to stop them somehow! Silent Green is people! Remember that. Hey, folks, we're back. It's been a really great first half hour, except for that point where, well, I did all the talking. Uh, but Phil's talking, <laughs> and we left, we left with Phil. <laughs> Phil doing some talking, and... Uh, I think we need to go back to that because that was actually pretty interesting stuff, Phil. I, I, I well, like to say I'm amazed, but the reason know. why is is because of the fact that we uh, we talked about extremists, uh, extremism, and and being accused of extremism because you want to bring to the public the idea that you are taking the life of the most innocent among us. Those Children have no way of harming anybody or doing anything to anybody, nor do they have the ability to defend themselves. That has been the hallmark of the United States, is to, to, uh, to help those who can't help themselves, to protect those who can't protect themselves. And we've you know, done it in, in, uh, for, for less, way less 
than the fact that somebody is taking advantage of people that can't defend themselves. You know, we were talking during the break, Phil, about a case that came up just uh, not too long ago to the Supreme Court, actually arguing for the humanity of the child in the womb, and the Supreme Court <clears throat> did not take it. And it was not, it, I think it was the decision of the, uh, of one, one judge. But with that being said, it's going to be based on, for that argument to go in front of them, it has to be based on the right argument. Yeah. Uh, and until the right argument comes on, they, they're going to turn it down. We've seen them turn down other stuff. We're saying, why did they turn it down? And then something else would come along and they handled it correctly. It has to be how they place the argument before the Supreme Court on whether they can take it. I still say there's hope for that. I still say there's a way for that to happen. Um, and we have to keep bombarding with those cases of, of uh, to the Supreme Court. And eventually, when you get the right argument in place, and they have got to pay attention to why they turned it down the last time. You know, that's something that often our lawyers who are really smart should should be smart enough to do is be able to say they turned it down because of this. So now let's take it and fix that problem. So maybe they'll take it. Yeah. I was kind of concerned about this because I thought, you know, who's... Who's got standing here? Whose rights are harmed? And it would be the fetus because the mother's right. not going to claim that she was harmed. Right. Nobody else is going to claim they were harmed. It's going to be the fetus that's harmed. And since the fetus can't make an appeal, it says that the justice is turned away an appeal by a Catholic group and two women of a lower court's ruling holding that fetuses lack the proper legal standing to challenge the 2019 state law. So basically... The fetuses don't have standing. Well, they can't talk. But they can wince cannot, and scream in pain. Cannot cannot uh, a parent go in there and file to the Supreme Court based on uh, their child, their two-year-old child, how they were treated? That two-year-old child cannot go in there and properly stand against the Supreme Court or make a legal argument from themselves. They need their parents to do it. What's the difference? Uh, That's why they're taking your, the parents' rights in this this bill to keep that parent from me making any kind of appeal. So that's the whole thing of it. The the court has been, and the in the uh, the justice system has has been taken completely out of this, and it's all going on the political uh, side of this thing, and that that's the 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 last place that should be in there. Uh, what would happen if uh, we did like China did and said that you could only have one child? How many people would uh, would stand up and say that that's not the role of the government? Yeah. Hey, put on your seatbelts, folks. It's Walter. Walter is on the line. How are you doing, my brother, from another mother? That's right, man. We have the same morals and values. And the body of Christ, a household of faith, Christians, saints. Same father. And if you are, if, and that's right. And if you're a Christian, it calls you talking about what Pastor Rick said earlier. I hope all the Christians are listening, uh, regardless, regardless of what denomination you're a part of. You call yourself a Christian, and you're for, well, I, I just don't want to get involved in a, a woman making her choice. I would say, uh, or, you know, making excuses 
of can't push my we can't push our um what's my opinions on other people. That's just a flat out cop out. I would say that you uh, might not be a Christian. Ah, don't shout me down on that one. But anyway, hey, I, what I want to bring up also is uh, how many how many preachers during this whole political uh, time of uh, getting down to the midnight hour of election day? How many preachers been preachers been firing from the pulpit and coming out straight forward saying if you vote for a Democrat who's for this proposals, all these three wicked proposals, uh, you need to repent. In fact, we endorse, I'm preaching against proposal one, two, and three. And for good reasons, uh, I don't care about the Johnson Amendment. I'm just going to, I'm just going to violate it. By the way, let me say something about the Johnson Amendment. Black churches violate the Johnson Amendment a lot. Let me reiterate that. Black churches for years have been ignoring the Johnson Amendment, whereas people like us, fundamental, a lot of fundamental white churches, strong doctrine, sound doctrine, they're too afraid to say anything political. And they've been preaching all their lives, walk by faith, not by sight. <laughs> we are victorious, or they even sing it. You know what, speaking of singing it from the, from the screens, Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. <laughs> right from that screen in front of the church. <laughs> they tell them and they sing them. And it's high time that these preachers, and some of them it's too late, because they have not shown the congregation the holy from the profane, the wicked from the evil, the righteous from the unrighteous. Practice In practice, deed, and politics. Some of them yeah, are way too late. Joe, in fact, um, I know Walter. Assembly God Church refused, uh, especially during the Trump Trump re-election bid. They refused to put out voter guides in, in the in the back of the church on the tables because they didn't want to get involved in politics. And one of them have chosen that that path this time. I want to hear some hey. feedback from you guys. Okay, here's as far as. Pastor speaking from the pulpit, I've never been afraid to say what I thought was biblically correct from the pulpit, and I will continue to do that. This this Sunday, in fact, um, and, I, and I'll put this out to all the Christians listening to this that are, as uh, Walter said, the type who don't want to push your opinion on someone else. Um, I'll be preaching this Sunday on the very first psalm in the book of Psalms. The very first one. It's not a long psalm. I'm going to ask you all to read that today. And I want you to ask yourself. It describes two people there and the relationship with God. Which person are you? Because depending on which person you say you are is going to depend on how you vote and the polls come this Tuesday. Mm. Because the precepts where it says that we meditate on the law of God. The word there is Torah, and it's not the not just the Ten Commandments it's talking about there. It's talking about all of his precepts, his doctrines, his teachings, what he says is right and wrong, and the laws and everything else. We meditate on those. They're there for a reason. And our brother Walter and Joe both quoted scripture and gave reasons why murdering a child in the womb is wrong. So when you read Psalm 1 this weekend and read it before Tuesday, and I would say read it before going into the polls. This is a short psalm. 
ask yourself, which one are you going to be? Which person are you going to be? Because that will dictate how you vote come Tuesday in the polls. You're either the righteous man that meditates on the word of God or you are the evil man. Your call. We've seen evil a lot of times just take a, try to take control of the situations, but we know God always has a plan. Okay, we got a call from Scott on the phone. Oh, I, w- I want to say something real quick, but you're going to the next Yeah, why, why don't you say something real quick, Walter? I'm, gonna add, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to add fuel to the fire, what you just said. Uh, and okay. I got a different view. Different. I say it on the wrong show. Just a different insight on vote, voters versus the politicians they vote for. Let me put it this way. Evil, wicked voters vote for evil, wicked politicians. Baby-killing voters, including the pro-choicers, vote for pro-choice, baby-killing politicians. Dumb voters vote for dumb politicians. Reprobate voters vote for reprobated-minded politicians. If that not be the case, we would have never got Barack Obama and Joe Biden and the rest of those Democrats throughout history. I'm out of here. Yeah, this is a coming time we get this close to election. I'm surprised we're not getting the trolls calling in. Um, we've got some decent calls, but it's always fun when we get trolls. So, hey, if you're out there, trolls, feel free to call in. We do have a caller on the line right now. We'll take that caller. Um, Scott. Hey, how are you guys doing? Oh, I am so I good. Would- Vitamins should be taking me. How about you? Awesome. I was listening to your conversation, and I, I wanted to weigh actually ask a couple of questions. So on the abortion issue, it really de- depends on when you de- determine that life begins. And I wanted yeah, absolutely. to know when you guys determine life begins. Not, not necessarily us. The question is, is that, that should be the question. That's, where is that's, that question? Where, let me ask you a qu- question, Scott. Question, Scott. Where is that question in the debate today? I'm sorry? Where is that question? When does life begin? Where do we see that as part of Proposal 3 in the debate? Well, uh, I don't know that we have, but it it seems like the people who are anti-Proposal 3, I I believe you have a responsibility to give me a definition on when life begins. Okay, let me ask you a question. On when life begins. Are you going to answer mine first or not? Okay, I it begins at conception. Okay, that's that's answer. what I was curious about. And I'm not basing that on a religious view. Okay, eats, so breathes, it eats and breathes and and uh, you know grows. So that's life. Every, now, do you want to go? Go yeah. to the book of embryology. Look up the in embryology what it says about the embryo, even the zygote. It'll okay, say so in the medical as, books, and this is in secular schools, that that is a human in the <laughs> in the in the beginning. Uh, what's the word? I'm looking stages. For. Stages. Formative okay. stages. Yeah. Yeah. The stages of uh, of development. We're constantly developing. The DNA is there. Hundred percent of the DNA is there. Everything is there at that moment to become a complete adult. We are in a constant state. Only thing that needs is time. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I can make a moral and ethical argument that life begins at conception. Okay, Whereas just, the I other people say, ah, we can't say it starts there. They can't come up with a point where it's life Scott's begins. Turn. Scott's turn. Oh, no, it's, it's okay. I was just curious where you saw life beginning. 
I, I guess I consider that, you know, when 20% to 30% of uh, pregnancies end in miscarriages, I'm not sure I would define early miscarriages. I'm not sure I would define life at the point of conception. But I get where you're coming from, and, and I'm not arguing with you. I'm just telling you I don't yeah. know that I would agree with that. I guess the other I, uh, question I, I have, have, a have, who who I have a friend of mine who is an atheist. I have a friend of mine who's an atheist whose wife miscarried. Early on, and early in the pregnancy, and they had a funeral for their child. And this is from a, a an atheist family. They saw that as a lost child. That was it was devastating for them, and they had a beautiful uh, service for them. That's awesome. I'm I'm glad they were able to make that choice. That's great. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm. It's fine. I think everyone has the right to make that choice. The other question I have is on the job. But who makes the choice? Who makes the choice? Hold on. Who makes the choice for the child? Who makes the choice for the child? Well, yeah. Well, the, opinion, does the child get a, a say in the matter? No. Viable, so. And this is why I'm saying that the fight has got to be shown that this is, as the medical books say, that this is a human in the earliest form of development. Is a human. Therefore, deserves human rights. When we say well, viable, Scott, well, it, when we is, say is it, viable. Is it really a human or maybe? is it really something inside the mother that can't be, that can't live outside the mother? That's a different I know 13-year-old kids that can't live outside of their mother's house. Now, that they're they're outside their house. You know what I meant? It was inside the body. So, you know, you can uh, make well, that What, that, is, what does that what mean? I'm, what does that matter whether it can live outside the, bo the body or the, the host, the womb? I don't understand what that has to do with the fact that it's a, a human being. Just when you're well, talking about you, survivability, you excuse me, let me finish. You're all. talking about about uh, survival of the fittest and, and a very cruel no, look at life when you say what may or may not survive pregnancy. Um, whether a child may or may not survive should not say, well, it may or may not survive, so we might as well kill it. No. I. Well, yeah, it, that's exactly what you're saying, Scott. Okay, well, if that's what I'm saying, that's fine. The other question I had for you is, if you guys have a problem with the Johnson Amendment, I would ask that you start paying taxes. Churches should pay taxes. Because you know if what? You want to I have no problem politics, with that. It's as bad for I, you I, as it is for us, so pay taxes on your property and everything wait else a that you own. May I, Catholic church no, let me, let me answer bunch. that. I have no problem with, with, with putting on taxes, say, uh, taxing churches that are in it for profit. I do have a problem with the federal government stepping in and saying we are going to get involved with you as the government and you as the church. And the second you tax them, the second you tax them, you are now governing the church through taxation. That is where so, I have that problem. If the church wants so to willingly Joe, pay taxes so on their Joe own, Osteen they should. Does Joel Osteen own a nonprofit church? What's that? Does Joel Osteen own a nonprofit church? Uh, that would be something that Joel would have to come into. I don't well, think that the, the government, you asked me a question, Scott. Now I'm going to hang up on you and answer your question. If you don't shut up. All right. On the 5013C, a church, if they feel that they need to, because of the Johnson amendment, that they feel that they should pay taxes on their own, they should do so. Guess what? I am a pastor who pays taxes. All right. I do so out of my own, out of my own volition not out of the volition of the church. I have a problem with the government controlling the church through taxation. 
And when you control the church through taxation, you can start directing them. And the problem with the Johnson Amendment, it says, hey, well, you will lose, you will be controlled by the government through taxation if you speak out. And yet it has always been the church's right to speak out against an, any private citizen, and they shouldn't be taxed because they speak out against something. So, yeah, I think the Johnson Amendment is is needs to be done away with. And I think that... Uh, I think that if a church feels that because they cannot, they cannot in good faith um, follow the, the guidelines of the Johnson Amendment and want to pay taxes, that should be their personal choice. But the government should never tax the church. We got Gary on the phone. Gary, how you doing, Gary? Hey, partner. Uh, first, I'd like to say that... Um, By the way, I asked for the uh, troll and I got a troll. Go figure. Are, <laughs> Not are you, Gary, the caller before. All right, go ahead, Gary. Yeah, abortion and miscarriages, those are the extinction of life. That is the end of life. It's yes. Plain as day. And the Johnson Amendment should be repealed, like you just mentioned, because it's unconstitutional at the jump, because it restricts speech. And just because you walk up to a pulpit does not mean you should lose your right of speech. All right, let me ask you a question here. You're, you're talking an awful lot like a Christian there, so I need to know, for Scott's sakes, what denomination are you, Gary? Um, I'm an atheist, a professor. What? Atheist. An atheist that is against <laughs> the Johnson Amendment and against abortion? Pro uh, wow. All right, continue, Gary. Well, that, that's basically what I wanted to say, because it's, it's just... Uh, the, the way they conflute everything and, and and make everything so confusing when they shouldn't. Everything, it's pretty cut and dry. When the egg and the sperm meet, that's when life begins. In fact, life is even before that. The egg is alive and the sperm is alive. If they weren't alive to start with it, there would be no conception. Okay. So what's right, your view on, on country? No, this is, you've opened Pandora's box here. Let me ask this question. What's your view on uh, contraceptives since you make that well, argument? There, there, it depends on which one, like uh, the diaphragm and some that prevent the egg from even getting close to the, uh, uh, the sperm to the egg. That I don't have much of a problem with, condoms and things like that. But the morning after pill I have a serious problem with because that extinguishes life again. So it, there's, you, there's different variations of con yeah. contraception. Do you know that the pill, the pill itself acts as an abortifacient, that it doesn't always prevent the 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 conception. And when that happens, it actually causes and forces an abortion. So what do you think about the pill? Well, I've been against the pill since it's when it started back in the day, because the pill just makes sex casual and sex should never be casual. It should be very important to both uh, individuals, because it's the most intimate thing you can do with a, another person, and it, it should have some meaning to it. That and fishing. Okay, yeah, Ed. Fishing. Just, yeah. to, just to elaborate on what Phil was saying, so as to my knowledge, the contraceptive pill basically allows conception, but does not allow the, uh, the, the, the zygote at that point, does not allow it to embed itself in the nourishment of the womb. So basically, it, it's killed off. It cannot get any nourishment, even though the conception has taken place. Right. It, that's it's an abortifacient. Girls have been doing ever since the pill was invented. They, uh, they just take extra pills to have that egg expelled out of the, out of the womb. 
They were the first ones with these abortifacients. That's what it was. Yeah, the the pill changed our society in such a way that uh, it's it's astronomical the way it changed uh, our society because people can have sex without consequences, and therefore the whole family structure started falling apart when that happened. You know, as to the Johnson Amendment, real quick, uh, one of our founders said the power to tax is the power to destroy, and that is why we don't tax churches, just like. Just like Rick was saying earlier, if you if you can tax, then you can you can tell that church what it can say, and that's exactly what the stupid Johnson Amendment is saying. You right. can say this, you can't say that, and these same people want separation of church and state. Well, you can't have it both ways Let, unless you've got a black church in in the middle of a, of an urban center, and you can have Hillary Clinton talk all she wants. You know. The whole separation of church and state was to keep the government from interfering with the church. On that note, I hear music in the background. Is that right? Am I hearing music? Yeah, I am. Hey, folks, we'll see you next week on A Moment of Clarity. Love you all. listening to a moment of clarity on wham talk 1600 with your host pastor richard dietering be sure to tune in again next week right here on wham radio 